Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Trouble and Strife, a RuneScape audio drama. Written and narrated by Josh Hayes. Ambient music composed by Michael Gelfie. This episode contains guest voice acting from the principal content developer of Old School RuneScape, Mod Ash. Episode 9, Imp Catcher. A blood-curdling scream ripped through the air. I was still lying half asleep on the grey single bed, eyes heavy and jaw still aching from the fight yesterday. I wasn't sure if I'd been dreaming the sound, and as I blinked slowly, peeling my eyes open to the rays of morning sun, it happened again. A bellowing roar of pain from the floor above. Adrenaline surged through my body as I leapt to my feet, glancing around quickly. I was in the guest bedroom of the wizard's tower. The bed covers had been thrown to the floor as I jumped out, and the wooden door suddenly shot open. It was Cedridor, quickly stepping through the doorway, a panicked look in his eyes. As he asked, Was that you? I shook my head and answered, No, it came from the floor above. Cedridor bolted away, across the landing, and bounded up the spiral staircase. I followed as quickly as I could, pulling the shoulder straps on my backpack tight and secure as I ran. Other wizards had opened doors around the room and were leaning out, looking around, confused. Some had half-climbed the spiral stairs from the ground floor and were scanning this one. I made it to the staircase and leapt up the steps two at a time, running so fast I almost tumbled over the wooden handrail, twisting up with me. Bursting out onto the upper floor of the tower, I raised my hands in fists, ready to fight whatever was there. Ready for battle. Ready to help. But not ready for what I saw. Imps. Short red devils, forty or fifty of them at least, darting across the stone floor, climbing the wooden tables and chairs that lay around the edge of the room, swinging from the torches on the walls, clawing at the window ledge to peek outside. One jumped past me and slid down the wooden banister of the stairs, cackling as he went. They were hanging from the tapestries round the room, swinging from the wooden beams that crisscrossed above me. A group of them picked up a plant pot and with a short sharp grunt, launched it at a window. It shattered the glass and flew out to the island below. The room was a mad chaotic sea of devilish red. And following the horrible flow of imps back, they all seemed to be coming from a corner room, escaping like a red river from an open brick archway. I pushed my way through the knee-high mass, across the landing to the corner room, rounded the doorway and looked inside. The room was smaller than the landing, a study. On the stone floor, a red-painted sigil, a many-pointed star with runic letters carved around it, and every second or two, a flash of condensed red light just above it. Then another imp popped into existence, instantly running off to join the others. At the end of the room was a heavy wooden table, covered with books and scrolls, all scattered around haphazardly. And standing on the table, back pressed up against the wall, and holding a heavy book in front of him with both hands, an angry wizard, wearing grey robes with a light blue trim. Opposite him, on the other side of the room, another wizard, doubled over in fits of laughter, rolling around on the floor and crying his eyes out, gasping for deep breaths between the fits of uncontrolled howling, slapping his hands on the floor in pure glee, wearing loose-fitting black robes trimmed in a deep crimson red. Laughing so hard now he made no sound, and simply wheezed inwards with every breath. Imps were still bursting into existence. Something flew through the air toward the wizard on the table, a book, pages opening and fluttering as it went. The cowering wizard deflected it with his makeshift book shield and screamed, 
Grayzag, why? The mass of imps in the landing behind me was chattering and snorting, a constant din of mischievous noise. I could hear more glass smashing and the sound of timbers cracking. Cedridor suddenly appeared beside me and glanced over at the wizard standing meekly on the table, before asking, Mizgog, are you okay? Before Mizgog had chance to reply, an imp jumped up onto the table and ran along the edge, sweeping papers and books onto the floor. Mizgog screamed again and raised one leg in useless self-defense. Cedridor took in the room and finally saw the other wizard rolling uncontrollably on the floor and belted out, Oh, in the name of Saradomin again? Grayzag, why? Grayzag rolled to the side and tried to reply, but only managed more bursts of intense laughter when he saw Mizgog standing terrified on the table, dancing around the imp. Cedridor dropped his head into his hands and lamented, Every bloody month! I felt a weight on my shoulders and the patter of tiny hands on my back. An imp had started to climb up my backpack and was trying to undo the straps and get inside. I shook to the side and flung it off into the corner. It bounced into the mass of other imps and then ran out onto the landing laughing. The imp on the table had finished clearing it of books and scrolls, so kneeled down and leaned over the edge, violently ripping open the drawers on the front, quills and pots of ink spilling out as each drawer clattered to the floor. More drawers flung across the room, then the gentle sound of glass chipping onto stone, small colourful orbs bouncing and rolling across the floor, disappearing under the impish horde's feet, and a yell from the table, No! My beads! Mizgog dove down from the table and into the pile of imps, dropped to his knees and began scratching at the coloured glass beads, sweeping them from the floor and clutching them to his chest. He lunged for a blue bead as it rolled away, but before he could close his fingers round it, an impish hand snatched it from the floor. Mizgog looked up from his crawl to see a bright red face, malicious eyes and a row of cracked yellow teeth sneering before the imp scurried away climbing over its brothers and out into the landing. Mizgog's gaze shot toward mine, and his eyes burned through me as he screeched, Get the imp! Get my bead! The room and landing still chaos. Imps had started to tear down the alchemical posters adorning the walls and rip pages from books, rolling them into tight balls and throwing them at the blazing torches bolted to the stone. The dry paper would puff into blue flames and instantly crumble to the floor, a pile of useless ash. Cedridor was still standing next to me, his head cradled in his hands, still mumbling. Every bloody month! I could just see the imp with the blue bead, and I pushed through the crowd, out the small room, and back onto the landing. My shins were being kicked constantly, and every imp that pushed past made it a point to stamp on my toes. Thankfully, they were small and weak. I could still see the one with the bead. It had scrambled over the others and was sat atop the wooden banister that ran down the spiral staircase, facing me. It grinned, baring all its disgusting cracked teeth, then held the bead up in a clawed hand, cackling as it started to slide backwards down the banister to the lower floors. It knew exactly what it was doing. I didn't care much about the bead, but those eyes and that laugh, that arrogant, insufferable laugh. I was getting that bead back. I waded forward, kicking imps to and fro as I rushed over to the stairs. It was like walking through treacle or running in a dream. Every step my legs met with another impish arm or leg or body, and more tried to grasp at my clothes and pack as I slapped them away. 
Finally, I'd made it to the staircase. The imps were flooding down to the lower levels, covering every step, some just rolling down on top of the others. There was no way to do this safely, so I held my arms out to the side for balance and ran. The layer of imps below me made it impossible to find the steps, and I had to duck down to keep from hitting my head against the stonework above me. It was easier to occasionally kick off the wooden banister as I quickly spiralled down. As I passed the first floor, I saw a crowd had gathered, wizards rudely woken up, still wearing white nightgowns. Some were fighting to stop imps snatching their books or hats. I could see one girl waving her arms wildly as an imp dashed about, clutching a loaf of bread. What they must have thought to see someone surfing down the wave of red on the stairs, I had no idea, and I didn't care. I had an imp to catch. Another complete circle, and I saw the ground floor fast approaching, the entrance hall of the tower. The imps had spilled out into the large room, and each ran its own way. You could just make out the carpet under the blanket of red scaly skin. I was running faster down these stairs than I could control, reaching the bottom, leaving the steps and sprinting into the entrance hall. I crashed into the outer wall of the tower hard, slamming my shoulder into the solid brickwork. I pushed back, shook my head, and quickly looked around. The wooden door to the library was open, and I could see a similar scene of chaos happening inside. Imps climbing the tall bookcases, swinging from the hanging lights, papers flying, while wizards on the floor wildly snatched at them. Some had pinned imps under piles of books, others had taken off their pointed blue hats, and were trying to catch the imps like butterflies in makeshift nets. My eyes flicked from imp to imp, hand to hand, and then I spotted him, the blue orb carrier. The little devil was rushing toward the front door of the tower. If he made it out into the world, I knew I had very little chance of catching him. So I launched myself across the room and sprinted after it, kicking away giggling imps as I did. It saw me, grinned again, and rushed out the front door of the tower. I was close behind and ran through into the morning sun. It was a beautiful day, birds chirping, the waves lapping gently at the island's edge, the sun rising in the east, casting beautiful soft shadows across the stone bridge ahead of me. Any other day, I'd have sat on the bench by the tower's edge and admired the weather. But not today. I looked quickly around. Where had it gone? Maybe climbing the walls? Maybe hiding in a tree? No. He was dead ahead, standing on the great stone bridge that ran from the island to the mainland. Standing dead still grinning that insufferable grin. This was a game to him. I took a deep breath in and sprinted toward him. It turned and ran, its little legs taking little steps. It may have been agile, but it was slow, and I caught up in seconds, dived through the air to tackle it, reached my hand out, felt my fingers wrap around its scaly leg, then I clamped my hand shut and felt nothing. I hit the floor hard from my dive, knocking the wind out of me and scraping my elbow on the dry brick. I had it! I had my fingers wrapped right around its leg! How did I miss? Sprawled out on the floor, I raised my head and looked around. It was standing to the edge of the bridge on a wooden crate, casually tossing the bead in the air and catching it again. It could teleport. Brilliant. I stood up gritted my teeth, and burst toward it again. Once more, it turned and ran, leaping from the wooden box onto the edge wall of the bridge, running along the narrow top. 
It was running much faster this time. It had been testing me before. Teasing me. I wondered if imps really were that clever. And wondering that made me dislike it even more. We both ran down the bridge, the imp up on the guard wall and me down the centre. Thankfully, it was a quiet morning with no one walking the other way, and as we neared the mainland, the imp glanced over its shoulder back toward me, then over the bridge edge, never slowing and laughing as it did. I kept running, my arms pumping by my sides. I knew it was looking into the water, and I screamed, No, don't you dare! The imp dived over the bridge and into the water below. I had to make a choice fast. If I ran to the end of the bridge and onto the land, I'd never have time to turn about and get into the water in time. I could give up the chase and catch my breath, tell Mizgog he'd just have to live without the blue bead, or... or I could do something stupid. I wasn't often in the camp of stupid and impulsive. I'd found a calm and controlled approach to things finds solutions much quicker. But that smile, that laugh, that pure irritating attitude that just poured from the imp's stupid face. That overtook all my rational thought as I bounded toward the bridge edge, vaulted up onto the wall and flung myself over and into the water below. It was freezing, absolute cold, instantly sinking into my clothes and hair, clinging to me. The shock of the ice water mixed with the angry surge of adrenaline and I thrashed around as I looked for the blur of solid red annoyance. I spotted it, over on the shore, rolling around on the floor laughing, dry as summer leaves. It had teleported before hitting the water. I hated this imp. I swam over, angry strokes, and struggled out onto the ground's edge, never taking my eyes off it. The moment my feet were on dry land, it took off running again, and I ran after it. I was dripping from head to toe, each pounding stride a heavy wet slap on the dry ground, leaving a trail of seawater as I ran. My clothes twice as heavy, my leather backpack swelling, the water inside sloshing around from side to side, throwing me off my rhythm with every step. I didn't notice I had seaweed wrapped around my hips and shins, I was too angry to care. The imp was running along the coastline, its little feet splashing in the waves as it scurried along. I could see Draenor village to the north and Port Sarim to the west. As the chase continued, fishermen had stopped reeling in their catches and were staring over, the woodcutters of the bank's edge standing in shocked confusion as a soaking wet man sprinted full speed after a cackling imp proudly clutching a blue bead between its scrawny claws. The coastline continued as we ran toward the port. Small fishing boats floated idly along the water's edge, bobbing up and down in the morning tide, all tied up next to each other, neat and in rows. The imp leapt from the land onto one of these small wooden boats, and then jumped across them from boat to boat, his tiny body easily bounding from one to the next. I had no choice but to follow, I had to keep it in sight, and launched myself from the water's edge onto a floating boat. My landing pushed it forcefully down into the water, sending waves and waves out from under it and rocking all the connected boats. Leaping from one to the next was much harder for me, still soaking wet and much heavier. Each landing was awkward, the boats lurching back and forth as I bounded between them. Some hadn't been cleaned in weeks, 
and moss made the planks as slick as ice. Finally, I was able to jump to the land proper, the edge of the port. I could see the imp bolt through an open door of a large stone building, barrels of fish and ale stacked outside it, empty fishing nets piled up in heaps, wooden round tables and stools turned upside down on top of them. It was the port Sarimbar serving the early morning breakfast crowd, the small, confused group of sailors and pirates outside watching the imp as he clawed from floor to table and darted through the doorway. I caught my breath and sped after him, across the grass, past the patrons, and through the open doorway. Inside, the bar was far busier than I expected for such an early morning. Wooden beams held up the old building, flaking white paint covered the old brickwork, and small windows framed with neatly tied cream curtains. On the wall hung a huge swordfish, a trophy of years past. Next to it, a ship's wheel was nailed up, a fishing net hanging beside that. Long wooden tables, lined with beers and cooked fish breakfasts, wooden three-legged stools alongside. Each one held a sailor or pirate, and each one had stopped eating to stare at the scene unfolding before them. Down the end of the room, the bartender stood behind a thick wooden bar, taps of beer all lined neatly along. Behind him were strong wooden shelves, holding sparkling clean glasses and bottles of dark wine. Any other day, a quaint place to stop for a drink, but for now, I was focused on that imp. I hadn't slowed down, and the imp was dead ahead. It had jumped up onto the long wooden central table and was running down it, masterfully stepping around the plates and glasses of those eating and drinking, not touching a single thing. To the side of the table were stools and people. Too many obstacles. I wouldn't be able to push past them in time, so made my second angry, stupid decision. I jumped up onto the long table and ran along it, I had visions in my head of copying the agile movements of the imp, but once again, my good intentions were far ahead of my actual ability, and as I ran down the length of the table, I kicked glasses over and flung plates out from under my feet, sending fish flying across the room and spraying foamy beer over the patrons. As I reached the end of the table, I watched the imp whip across the floor and out another door. I jumped down, moving too fast to stop, and slammed into the bar, knocking a freshly poured beer over and sending a bowl of nuts tumbling to the floor. The bartender yelled, some sailors stood up angrily, and I heard the drawing of a cutlass as I bolted out the door and back into the sea breeze, my eyes darting wildly. Where were you? There! The imp had doubled back on itself and was running across the grass, through the trees towards Draenor village. It scrambled up and over a grey stone wall as it ran toward the northern houses. I gave chase, my wet steps slapping as I sprinted past the sleeping trees toward the small wall. Behind me, I could hear an angry crowd leaving the bar and shouting unsavoury remarks toward me. I ran across the grass to the wall and vaulted over. I forgot how heavy my clothes and pack were, still soaking from my short swim and I seriously misjudged my leg strength. My hand placed on top of the wall perfectly, but my shin and feet crashed into the top layer of stone. I yelped in pain as I tumbled and rolled through the air, bringing the top layer of wall down with me. 
chips of stone scattering over the ground. I didn't have time to hurt or nurse my now bleeding shins, and I scrambled to my feet and dashed toward Draenor. I could see the imp. It had climbed a pyramid of wooden barrels stacked against the back of a house, and then crawled through an open window into an upstairs room. The window was far too small for me to fit through, so I ran at the house, skidded round the corner, zigzagged through the early morning market traders as they set up their stalls, saw the front door of the house, and burst through. Inside, bookshelves everywhere, pushed against every wall, and standing in the centre of the room, floor to ceiling, each lined with rows of drab-coloured books. The only clear wall space was covered with a parchment poster of an old map, and underneath it, a large globe of the world. I quickly looked around the room. I couldn't see the imp down here, but I could see a metal staff leaning against the corner, topped with the golden star of Saradomin, a golden candelabra standing in the other corner with four candles flickering away, and a wooden desk covered in papers and scrolls. Sat at the desk, leaning back in a sturdy wooden chair and sipping from a steaming mug, was an old man. A brilliant white beard covered his face and flowed down to his stomach, thick-rimmed glasses and a blue spiked paper party hat topping his bald head. He wore a simple tan-coloured robe, and as I burst into his house and looked around the room, he greeted me in an oddly calm manner, his gentle voice betraying his apparent age. Hello. My head lashed around trying to spot the imp, and I yelled, Where's the imp? The little red thing with the blue bead, where is it? The old man slowly rose from his chair and took a casual sip from his mug, took in the sight of a dripping wet intruder, and calmly asked, Can I ask what you're doing in my house? I heard a crash and a scrape from upstairs. The imp was still here. I dashed across the room and leapt up the stairs three at a time, pulling myself up with the handrail. As I jumped out into the upper room, I glanced around. More bookshelves, more books. A metal suit of gold-trimmed armour, standing proudly by the wall. A telescope knocked over to the floor underneath an open window, clearly where the imp had climbed inside. A piano with a wooden cover over the keys, and a violin leaning softly up against it. I ran around the room, grabbing the bookshelves for balance as I turned sharply. My speed had dragged the rug with me, and the violin was knocked from its delicate balance and fell onto the floor. The old man was pacing slowly up the stairs behind me, and as he watched the violin fall, uttered an annoyed, Please be careful with that. I could see the imp. It had climbed up a bookcase and was sat back on a shelf, hiding amongst the stacked up junk. I lurched forward and swiped at it, a fine mist of water spraying from my sleeve as I did. It dodged to the side, knocking items off the shelf as it went. A delicate painted easter egg fell to the floor and smashed, and was then crushed itself by a pumpkin falling onto it and splattering over the carpet. The imp had caught its leg on a green paper party hat and ripped it as it darted around the room. The old man winced and added, I much prefer you didn't mess with those. The old man's voice was remarkably calm for the chaos in front of him. The imp dashed toward me and straight through my legs, turned tightly and disappeared down the stairs. I chased after it, grabbing the banister 
and using my speed to spin and fling myself down the steps. A glorious spray of mist sliding off me and over the wall as I flung myself downwards, clearing almost the whole staircase in one bound. The old man casually called after me. Young man, could you please slow down? The imp ran over to a sack of rubbish in the corner and rifled through it in a panic, grabbing items and throwing them toward me. The spine of an old fish, a torn-up rag, a rotten potato. I dodged the barrage of rubbish and watched as the imp jumped up onto the desk and started kicking items off onto the floor, from books to pots of ink, scrolls, a model ship, and a plate of bread and cheese, everything scattering over the floor. The old man had made his way down the stairs and was watching us both quizzically. I turned and yelled at him, Grab that imp! He's a thief! The old man smiled and chuckled and replied with a much too calm, Oh, he's just having a little fun. The imp jumped down from the desk, ran around the back of the central bookshelf and dashed toward the front door. I'd had enough and summoned all my strength and dived through the air, arms outstretched, fingertips reaching toward the imp, ready to grab him, when suddenly I stopped. The imp stopped. It was frozen mid-bound, feet just off the ground, and I was lying completely flat in the air, held in place. The old man was holding his arm out, fingers spread, and with the faintest hint of annoyance in his voice, declared, Now let's all calm down, shall we? I couldn't move. My legs and arms were stuck solid. Even breathing was laboured as I couldn't move my chest. I could only flick my eyes around. As I watched, I began to move, magically lifted through the air, turned right way up, and floated over to the chair the old man had been sitting on. My legs brought themselves up into a sitting pose, and I was lowered down gently onto it, my back straight and rigid. The imp was held by the doorway still. Its muscles were twitching violently, and yet its body was still, eyes darting around, as confused as I was. The old man walked over to the front door and shut it, then paced back into the room and took a long look at me, then the imp, both of us still magically held firm. The old man took another sip from the steaming mug and then spoke slowly and deliberately. So, here I was, having a lovely cup of tea, when suddenly an imp and clumsy adventurer barge into my house. The old man walked up the stairs, leaving the imp and I in place. At the top, I could just see him reach round and lean onto the upper floor. Then he walked back down the stairs, holding the violin. He raised it up toward both of us. The strings were snapped. Knock over my things. He placed the violin down gently, leaning against the bookshelf, and walked over to pick up the plate his bread and cheese had been sitting on. It had smashed into pieces when it hit the floor. Crumbs of bread gliding gently down as he picked up the largest smashed shard. And ruined my dinner. It was early morning. People had hardly eaten breakfast. What was this old man doing that meant this was his dinner time? I thought this was an odd thing to say, but then realised he was holding two intruders in place with a magical force field. This old man was likely not normal. He threw the shard of plate into the sack of rubbish the imp had been sifting through, then leaned back against a bookshelf and stared at me. 
Now, why don't you tell me who you are and what's going on? His voice was controlled, more curious than angry. I strained my jaw to speak, but couldn't move it. The old man saw me struggling, curled the fingers on his hands some more. I felt the magical clasp weaken around my mouth and was able to splutter out, The imp has a bead! The old man glanced over to the imp and saw that it was, indeed, holding a blue bead between its frozen, claw-like hands. He looked back toward me, clearly not satisfied with the answer. I was held firm, legs and arms locked up, fighting wasn't an option, and I doubted I could outsmart a wizard. So with the damp of my clothes soaking into the wooden chair, I simply told the truth. My name is Strife. That imp has one of Wizard Mizgog's beads, and I was told to get it back. The old man nodded along with my story. I explained how the flood of imps had been summoned, the chaos in the tower, and the chase along the bridge, the swim, the dash through the bar, and finally, the mad rush through his house. When he asked why I was chasing the imp, I thought for a moment and explained what I'd done so far. The ghost in the graveyard, the treasure map Vios had given me, the assault on the back streets of Varrock. I left out the part about Duke Horatio. Didn't seem clever to go spreading that around. I ended by explaining I'd given chase because it felt like the right thing to do. The old man's face had twisted into the faintest of smiles as he spoke. So you have big dreams of adventure. I thought about it, and I guess I did. I nodded, my damp tunic squelching as I did. The old man continued. Travelling the world, helping those in need. His voice had changed. It wasn't angry or curious anymore. It was filled with the subtle touch of memory. A man reminiscing. As I flicked my eyes around the room, I realised every book was a journal. The maps on the walls, the globe, even the decorations on the desk all seemed to stem from some far-off land. This man was well-travelled, and looking at me, soaking wet and ill-equipped, his smile grew. The old man walked over to the imp, reached down and plucked the blue bead from its claws. I could see its eyes widen in shock, and tiny arms and legs struggle against the holding spell. Grasping the bead in his gentle hands, the old man opened the front door and pushed the imp softly toward it. It floated smoothly through the air and out the doorway. I'm sure if it could scream or yell, it would have done. The man closed the door with a thud and casually walked back over to me his voice now much more friendly. You've definitely got the right spirit. I felt my arms and legs loosen, pressure spilling from them, and I sank back into the chair, water squeezed from under me as I sat down. It dripped down the chair legs and over the floor. The old man held his hand out and offered me the blue bead. I reached forward, palm held upwards, and he dropped it into my grip, adding, Might be an idea to work on the manners. I tucked the bead into my pocket, stood up, and rolled my neck around. The thrill of the chase and constant surge of adrenaline had masked the pain of throwing my body around like that. My shoulders ached, and my shins throbbed. The old man paced back toward the front door and opened it. 
holding it open, inviting me to leave. I adjusted my backpack on my shoulders and tightened the straps, and then walked towards the open door. Before I stepped out, I thanked him, and apologised for wrecking his house. The old man looked around, at the books on the shelves, and the damp footprints on the floor. He didn't seem to care. He was clearly a wizard, well-travelled, powerful, and wise. And as I stepped through the doorway out into Draenor, the wise old man spoke one final time. It's a big world out there, Strife. When you've seen more of it, come back and tell me of your adventures. I'd love to hear them. I nodded and replied with, I will. His request seemed genuine. I knew my reply was. With that, he shut the door and I turned to walk through Draenor Market. I couldn't see the imp, but I had a feeling we'd meet again. More people were waking up. The market stall was almost completely set up for the day, and over to the west, I could see the angry crowd of sailors outside Port Sarim pub, still shouting and looking around for me. Thankfully, the wizard's tower was directly south of me, and I was able to hunch my shoulders and duck behind the buildings and trees as I moved through the village and followed the gravel path south. The walk would have been pleasant if I hadn't still been soaking wet, although the clothes the Salia had made me only yesterday were holding up nicely, and the bag was so watertight the water inside still lapped back and forth with each step. I followed the gravel path from Draenor and soon stepped onto the giant stone bridge leading back to the wizard's tower. Seagulls were waking up and people were passing me by staring as I dripped my way along the bridge toward the tower. When I reached the island where the immense tower stood, several wizards were already outside, some sitting on the wooden benches enjoying the early morning weather, some tending to the weeds around the stone path. They all stared as I walked across the courtyard and inside, leaving a thin trail of water as I went. I stepped through the entrance and onto the ground floor. More wizards were standing around, holding imps down against the floor or pinned up against the walls. The imps struggled and spat feebly, lashing out as much as they were able while held down. I walked over to the corner room and the spiral staircase leading upwards. I took each step carefully. I was drained. Early morning exercise was not my lifestyle and it took what energy I had to lift my bruised legs up one step at a time. I passed the first floor landing to a similar site. More imps held down, more red devils pinned to the floors and walls by blue wizards. Some wizards were kneeling down and pinning the imps to the floor with their body weight. Others were holding a staff between them and had three crying imps pushed up against a wall by their necks. I continued up the stairs. On the top floor, no imps. The landing was seemingly clear. I guessed they'd either scattered or been rounded up already. I walked across the room and through the open doorway into the corner study where this had all started. Ms. Gog was sat on the edge of a table, legs idly dangling in front of him swinging back and forth, head hanging forward forlornly. The room was a mess, papers and books torn and scattered, and the posters and tapestries on the walls thrown down and crumpled onto the floor. He saw me walk in and raised his head. I reached into my pocket and presented the blue bead, holding it out in my palm. Mizgog forced a weak smile, sliding off the table edge and walking towards me. He took it from my hand and placed it gently into a carved wooden bead holder, 
four smooth indents, each holding a different coloured bead, with the blue one completing the set as it clinked in. He admired the finished collection, then turned to me. Cedrador tells me your name is Strife. I nodded. Ms. Gog continued. Well, Strife, you have my deepest thanks. I'm quite fond of my bead collection. Ms. Gog took a good look at me, damp, bruised, and bleeding. And then he added, If you like, I can show you some magic as a thank you. The old wizard began sorting through papers and books on the desk behind him as I quickly interrupted. No, 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 thank you. I have had quite enough magic for one day. I am just going to take these soaking clothes off and go back to sleep. Ms. Gog wasn't listening, still searching through piles of junk, old letters and discarded scraps of paper. I left him to it and walked out the study, across the landing and back down the spiral staircase to the first floor. The wizards were still struggling with the imps, but seemed to have everything mostly under control. I made my way across the first floor and back into the bedroom I'd been so rudely dragged from only a few minutes earlier. I pulled my leather pack from my shoulders and tipped it upside down. Murky water gushed from inside, spilled over the stone floor and down a gutter running round the edge of the room. Then, clumps of mud and seaweed fell to the floor with a splat my tinderbox tumbling down, and the white horse I'd bought from Diango stained a muddy grey as it clattered next to it. I unbuckled the belt around my waist and slipped off my soaked leather armour, hanging it over the back of a small wooden chair, laying my tunic and trousers across the chair seat. My hair was still wet, shins bruised and softly bleeding as I pulled back the grey sheets of the single bed and burrowed inside. My plan was to have a nap, dry my things, and leave. I wasn't prepared for wizards. Magic was something far beyond me. And I decided when I woke up, I would find a decent sword and shield. The world began to fade and blur, and just as I reached the cusp of drifting off into a well-earned nap, I heard Cedrador whispering from the doorway. Ah, Strife, I'm glad you're back. Need you to go to Rimmington. Witch Hetty has requested some help with something, and we're all busy rounding up all the imps. I told her you'd be right along. Hope you don't mind. I moaned, groaned, and rolled to the side, pulling the covers up around me and staring up at the old wizard in a sleepy haze. Then over at my wet clothes, and with a deep sigh, I asked back, Can it wait till tomorrow? Cedridor saw the wet pile of clothes and dripping leather jerkin on the chair, looked back toward me, and replied, Of course. I'll tell her you'll see her tomorrow. Thank you for listening to episode 9 of Trouble and Strife, a RuneScape audio drama. I hope you're enjoying the adventure. Special thanks to Mod Ash for lending his voice to the wise old man. All these episodes are supported by listeners like you. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, then click the link below or head to patreon.com forward slash Josh Strife Hayes. You can contact me on Twitch, Twitter or Discord. Links are all below. Thank you for your time and as always, have a great day.